Hello, everyone. Welcome back to The Window Seat, the podcast of Augustana University's International Programs Office. I'm your host, Heather Reed, and I'd like to start today's show by saying thank you for your grace as you've patiently waited for the return of our podcast, which highlights international experiences of our Augustana community members. For the last several weeks, The IPO has been working diligently to help 15 new students settle into the snowy, then sunny, then snowy again, landscape of South Dakota. It has been a delight that these students have managed to get here and begin their academic careers in spite of the pandemic. This January and February, we welcome students from all over the globe, Ethiopia, Nigeria, Cyprus, South Africa, India, Russia, Mongolia, Cameroon, Vietnam, and Ecuador. They are all wonderful young people. Now, back to our guest. Today, we share the journey of Benita Manzengo. Benita is a freshman from the Democratic Republic of the Congo, majoring in government and art and minoring in psychology. Benita is a natural leader because she is inclusive, community-oriented, and passionate about helping people. Benita shares her own struggle to discover the history of her people and desire to turn that struggle into empowerment. She wants to change her country and the world by, quote, taking revenge on history, unquote. To learn what she means by taking revenge on history, please learn from the experience of another with Benita. Hey, Benita. Hi, Heather. Thanks for joining me on the window seat. Thanks for the opportunity. Yeah, absolutely. We've been excited to have you on. Me too. (laughs) (laughs) Well, let's start out by having you briefly introduce yourself to our audience. Mm -hmm. I am Benita Mandengo. I'm the freshman uh, international student from DRC, Kinshasa. And uh, I'm a government arts major with a psychology minor. And... um, I'm the middle child. <laughs> the middle child. I am. How old are your siblings? My older siblings are, I have two older siblings and two younger siblings. So one of five. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yes, I'm like right in the middle too. <laughs> to each side. My older sister is 22. My older brother is 20. I'm 18. My younger brother is like 16. My younger sister is 14. So like we have two years difference and like a girl, boy, girl. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> that's that's amazing. Yeah. How about your older siblings? Where are they? My older sister is in New York. Um, my older brother is in Alabama. I'm here. <laughs> um, my older my younger brother is in Watertown in high school and my younger sister is in Watertown too. Okay. I, and I went to the same high school. Which is where? Watertown. Great Great Plains Lutheran High School. Okay, I'm going to come back to that. But what the oldest sister is 22. Is she finishing college this year? She um, right. she went to college back home uh-huh. for a while. Then my mom wanted her to come. So like, she, she was doing medicine. She wanted to become a doctor. But then she came here, and it's hard to like just get into med school. So yeah. she's doing nursing now. So okay. I think it's her second year. Um, so she's not finishing college. She's sure, sure. starting. Yeah. Yeah. And then your brother is in Alabama. Mm-hmm. And what is he doing there? 
He's doing something with engineering, something along those lines. <laughs> okay. Is he at a small college like you, or what university is he at? University of North Alabama. So it's, it's bigger. It's bigger. Yeah. Okay. We know a little bit about your family. Mm-hmm. Do you want to talk about what it's like to be a middle child? <laughs> <laughs> it's... um. It's interesting. <laughs> it's, um, I mean, it's good because it's fun because I have, you know, a lot of siblings. I have, like, a lot of experience, I want to say. I can get along with people from different age range because I have older siblings and younger siblings. I can be the older sibling and I can be the annoyingly little younger sibling. <laughs> <laughs> so I can do both. Um, I, I think that's pretty cool. Um, the growing up, however, it was just hard. Not hard, but, like, it was, you know, I am. Um, I love attention, <laughs> and like, you know, like my parents' attention were like were divided, you know, between all of us. So of course, and yeah, of course, but yeah, and now I got used. Got, now I got used to it. I think the cool thing with my family and my siblings is that we chose, we decided to all be friends. So we just, we don't really see the age difference and like where we stand. Not really as much because like we just decided to all be friends and just open up to each other. And I think it's. It's really cool. It sounds wonderful. Yeah. That's a really nice way to um, create a, a wonderful sibling relationship. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. I love it. Well, speaking of growing up, um, do you want to talk a little bit about what it, what it was like growing up back home? You're from the DRC. Mm-hmm. A lot of Americans call that the Congo. Yeah. Um, and, and some still call it Zaire. I'm like, oh, oh <laughs> that ended okay. no, a long no, no, time no. ago. Yeah. <laughs> but anyway. Yeah. Do you want to talk a little bit about home? Yes. Um, so I grew up in a, I mostly grew up in the same neighborhood, but I was born in a province. So my dad, uh, because he's a doctor, traveled a lot around the country to provide um care mm-hmm. um to the people so like we're all born in different provinces yeah <laughs> all of us and uh, i was born in the province then we moved in the capital city and for most of my life i lived in the same neighborhood so it's pretty cool um the, the people there know me and like have seen me grow up but i think i'm very excited to go back and like you know be like i'm all grown now but <laughs> 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 and it was it was really cool um it was my the neighborhood I grew up in is is really small. It's like it's kind of enclaved. Is the word? It's like um, there are a lot of diff- big like um, neighborhoods around it. So like people know this big neighborhood, but like not the small ones where we live. Like really in the center of all these other things. So okay. like when stuff were happening outside, it was really quite. It was like a small village within the big city. So it was it was a school because we all knew each other and. It was a really good experience, and it was really calm. Growing up, uh, f- f- people can think that I'm really quiet now, but I was like the troublemaker. <laughs> <laughs> Me and my older brother were always getting in trouble. Once we, um, because at the in the backyard we had the um, kind of chili like paper kind of garden. So me and my it was kind of something like that. So. Um, me and my brother went to play there, and like we ended up like burning eyes, like it was burning, burning what eyes because it was just so hot. And like we came back, and my mom was like, "What were you doing there?" <laughs> so <laughs> we just we got in trouble all the time. But I guess it was it's it's cool stories not to tell. And um, yeah, so I I grew up in a really um nice family. I remember 
my dad, he wasn't always home because, you know, he had to travel for his work. But when he came back from work, we would, like, all hide in the house and, like, turn the lights off. And he would come back and, like, where are the children? And he would start looking for <laughs> us. And it was, just, it was just so fun. And then when we grew up a little bit and we had phones and um, he came back once and we didn't, like, really pay attention. And he was, like... Where are my kisses? Where are my hugs? Like, what are you doing <laughs> on your phones? And <laughs> we all stood up and like gave him like he's Aww. really yeah he's really he's amazing I love him um he's my favorite person <laughs> so yeah so I grew up in a really lo- loving um family so yeah and then your mom did she stay at home with the children or did she have a job? She stayed home. Uh, she was a nurse before but then mm-hmm. she had us so she had to take care of us and yeah there's five of you yes <laughs> <laughs> yes so yeah so you stayed at home in the same neighborhood and then give us a context of how large is the capital city oh it's uh there's 12 million people 12 million people but to me i think i'm from sioux falls mm-hmm. i have been to bigger places but i think okay if i grew up in a city of 12 million when you describe your childhood, it doesn't sound like a busy city living experience. Can you describe sort of the the neighborhood geography kind of piece to home for you? Like how does how do you have this neighborhood feeling growing up in such a big city? Well, um, I think it's it's because of my mom. She she really uh, was she loves quiet calm places so like everywhere even we we we, we moved once to like to another city because of my dad job but even there we lived in the quiet the quieter places because all of the rest is like super busy like loud music like um cars and stuff like big city busy but like we always she was always able to find a a a quiet place to call home and Ah. so we we it's 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 on her. So like she she was able to give to give that to us, which is um, very cool. <laughs> so your mom very mindfully created that yeah. space for you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it was your dad's job that brought you to the big city. Yes. Yes. Yeah. So your parents are still back home. Is they that m- true? No. Oh, <laughs> where mo- are they? They moved to Gabon for my dad's job. So oh. yeah. So he he they. When we were growing up, they would move a lot because we had to go to school. They didn't want us to like have the have to like leave school and like travel with them. So they would like travel for like six months for like my dad job and stuff like that. So they traveled together, and now we all moved to Gabon for. I lived there for two months, but then I came to the U.S. But they stayed there, and uh-huh. that's where they live in Libreville. Okay. Mm-hmm. Is there anything you want to say about any myths that people might have? About the DRC, or honestly, I don't think a lot of Americans know anything about the <laughs> DRC. So, what do you want to tell us? Like, what can we learn from you about home? Yes, first of all, <laughs> <laughs> DRC is a really, really rich country. I think in um, natural resources, I think it's the richest um, in natural resources. We have everything that you might think of. The the the, the thing that's they use in the computers, phones to like make them um, like the battery like work or we have 60% of those in Congo like exclusively. 
Whoa. And yes, it's so rich. Um, we have we have everything you can think of: petroleum, gold, di- everything. And it, it it's so rich. Um, we have a big rainforest. We have a huge river that goes through the country. Mm. It's yeah, it's it's a beautiful place. And some myths is that um, there is always like war going on <laughs> everywhere. Mm-hmm. But no, there is. Um, like I said, I lived a really peaceful um, childhood. However, there is there is some conflicts going on at the eastern side, and it there is a lot going on. It's a really it's been happening for a long, long time, mm-hmm. and but like not not the whole country is not in war. <laughs> yeah. And um, <clears throat> what else? Um, yes, we have a huge biodiversity. Like we have animals that can only be found there like you have the okapi i think that's my favorite animal it's kind of a weird oh. mix of a zebra and a giraffe it's it's, it's weird but it's beautiful <laughs> i've seen an okapi oh yeah you, they are amazing they are so you that that's their na- natural habitat there so okay um it's a cool it's cool it's a, it's a really cool place um how about language what languages are spoken at home so we have French as the um, you know colonial language, mm-hmm. and we have five other languages that are like the main languages, and Lingala, Swahili, Chiluba. Um, I forgot the other ones. <laughs> and <laughs> there's a lot. And there is okay. there is a lot, and then those those languages are like broke down into like smaller languages, and then those are broke down into dialects. So right. There is a lot of there's many many languages and but like there are main languages from like provinces and stuff like that right so when you went to school are most children taught in french and then english is the second language how does that normal normally with air quotes work mm-hmm. we are uh, the schools are in french mm-hmm. but um if a school is willing to they give um english classes um from a really really from really, really early on. Um, yeah, so it, I wouldn't say that English is really like a second language for most people because most people don't speak it. It's just like hmm. a class. Because, I don't know, because like nobody really practice. Like I, I've taken English for a long time, but I've never practiced it. It was just like a class to have like credit. But <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I wouldn't say it was my second language back then. It's just like it's taught, but nobody really picks up on it. Like, because you have already so many things to deal with. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, anything else? Do you, what's what's the most delicious food from back home? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> I would say. I mean, the food is there is a lot of delicious dishes, but um, my favorite food personally is like boiled plantain bananas. It's like it's so sweet with mm. um, uh, tilapia sauce. It's oh, it's good. It's it's good. <laughs> <laughs> It's really good. Yeah, I love I love eating that. But there there's a lot of others. Like there's like a um, one where they do um, like it's like vegetables with um, peanut peanut butter butter. So it's oh yeah yeah it's kind of me yeah it's, it's my, that that's my that's it's favorite like a peanut dish. sauce. Yes, but like with, it's it's really good. It's, it's good. Yeah. That sounds delicious. <laughs> um, anything else you want to say about back home? Well, it's a beautiful country. Go and visit. <laughs> that sounds great. I want to go visit now. Yeah. I wanted to before, but even more now. Okay, 
So let's switch a little bit to your academic journey, which is a little bit different. Um, You came to Augustana from having gone to high school in Watertown. Uh, Tell us a little bit about, first of all, how did you find this school or how did your family find it? And what was the, why did you come at such an early age? Oh, I always say that my parents just wanted to get rid of us, but... (laughs) (laughs) I just wanted to stay together. I'm kidding. But um, my my dad, when we moved to, my dad just said um, he he was moving to another country because we were moving to Gabon because of his job, like mm-hmm. I said earlier. And by that, he his job gave him the opportunity to like gives his children scholarships to to study. Like he would pay for like half of their. I mean, part of their tuition, of our tuition via his work, because they were moving him and stuff like that. And so my, my father saw it as an opportunity to, you know, find the best place for us to study. And he knew somebody that um, was helping with the, whole, with the whole process to come to the U.S., and he saw it as an opportunity. He was like, well, let's just, let's just do it. Let's just invest in that. He... It, it was hard for all of us, but to to live such an at to live at such an early age, mm-hmm. but I think he he believed that it was worth it, and I think it was worth it too. And um, so we had that one man who was helping us with all the process. So my dad just gave gave him the like the criteria of what kind of school he wanted. He wanted Christian, private, small school, where like I could have we could have a more know our teachers and our teachers know us too and so that that the the, the men the guy helping us found the school and um, he proposed to my dad and my dad was like oh yes that's cool I talked to the international students person there and we really yeah we liked it and so we came to the US at how at what age 16 and so you were 16. Was it just you, or did your siblings come along, your younger siblings come along with you? I came with my younger brother and my young, my older brother. So we came, we were just three when we first came. We so your oldest brother was like a senior? Was he 18? Yeah, he was a senior in high school. And you were 16? I was a junior. And then your little brother mm-hmm. was a freshman? Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. You all just came over here? Yes. And how many international students are at, it's Great Plains Lutheran, mm-hmm. correct? How many international students do they have there? Uh, right now, not a lot due to COVID. Mm-hmm. But like when I came, there was around nine international students, I would say. It's not a huge, short school, but there was yeah. nine international. Where were they from? There was one from China, from South Korea, uh, one from Taiwan, Jerry, who actually goes here. And um, there was three of us from DRC. Actually, four. Four? Yeah, four of us from DRC. So you and your siblings plus one other person. No, actually, my younger brother, since his English was not good enough yet, he had to go to the English teaching school. He he, he went to um, Cleveland first to go yep, learn. to get his English high yeah. enough so he could study at a regular mm-hmm. high school level. Yeah. So he went there. And there was one Jano, he was he's from Congo and two others 
um, from Congo. So we didn't know each other. We just met there. Okay. Yeah, it was cool because I was able to speak to, like, take a break from English and (laughs) speak French with them. Even though they didn't really speak French because, I mean, the two of the two other ones didn't really speak French because they grew up in South Africa, even though they were Congolese. Oh, right. They spoke more English than French. So, which was kind of helpful because I had to also, you know, get used to to English. But it was nice to take a break and just speak French. Yeah. Well, what was it like the first year in Watertown, South Dakota? (laughs) Sometimes I think we at Augie are like, oh, it's hard to land in Sioux Falls. But you are landing in Watertown, which is a very small community in comparison to Sioux Falls. Mm -hmm. And just a little bit more maybe isolated. Yeah, um, we were me and my brother were like we one on the plane because we went through um, Istanbul, then Chicago. So we mm-hmm. went through like really big cities, right. like um, big, or like buildings from like the airplane. I was like, yeah, but then we got to that empty space. We just <laughs> empty. <laughs> and I was like, where where are we going? <laughs> where is is this all the <laughs> and um so we, we we got to Watertown and it's white. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it is. It's 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 it, it was very to see a person of um of color, uh, a black person. And I mean, uh, outside of school because there there were some like three other Congolese and yeah. it was just you know like when you when you land in, at that at a place where everybody's like is different, and um, ev- not everybody looks like you. Mm-hmm. You, every time you see someone that looks like you, like oh, a black person. <laughs> 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 Finally, oh. but um, <laughs> but um, I think it was it was it was it wasn't easy to get used to it because I came as a junior and it was. It was a pretty small school, and mm-hmm. everybody already knew each other. So it was hard to fit in because I didn't really speak. I didn't speak really good English, and it was we were just we just were really different. Um, so it so it was hard to fit in. It was I I I, I had to learn to like love my own company because I was alone most of the time. But but still I. It was, I had to grow up really fast. Like, now you have to take care of yourself. Like, and it was, it wasn't easy, but but I I don't regret it. I loved it. I met amazing people. I think you met Heather, my awesome mother. Yes. She's amazing. (laughs) I met her and um, Mr. Plugger, I don't know if you know him. He's the international person there. He's great. He... Um, lived in Kenya for like five years, mm-hmm. so like we just we just clicked. <laughs> he we just we, we get along really well because he knows you know international students and mm-hmm. I've I've met a lot of amazing people in that school. Um, yeah, it was it was it was interesting getting to um, realizing that you're different. For example. Um, children would be so scared of me. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah, so scared. Like I was walking um from you know the I was going back to my dorm room, and there was that one girl who it was she was really little. I think she was four, three years old, and she she came and she was like, <gasps> and she ran away, and then <laughs> <laughs> she she told her brother there was a scary person out there, yeah, and I I came and she she was like who and. 
She was like, hey. I was like, I mean, I've, I've never told of myself as scary. No, I'm, for the I'm record, a pretty human. Anita is the last person in the whole world that I would use the word scary for. Yeah. So it was it was interesting. And with um, Heather's family, I, 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 I would go with her to like Thanksgiving and things like that because she was, she's my, she, they were my host family. Mm-hmm. And um, we once went to his, to her, the, he was the grandfather of her husband. So he was sick and we went to visit him and she introduced me. I was like, oh, she's from Congo and she lives with us. She was like, he was like, do you put her to work? <gasps> Yes, like, I was so shocked. I was like, I was trying to be nice here. Yeah. <laughs> I came to say hi. Mm-hmm. But um, I think you just realize that, oh, you know, I'm different. Um, and you're curious. And I I started learning more about the black experience, like, in the U.S. Because it's a school where they don't really talk about, you know, race like that. It just, it's really... It's been so white for so long yeah. in the Midwest, or at least in some parts of the Midwest. And so people just... I think a lot of people around here are like, what? Race relations? We don't know anything about that. Um, Especially in a place like Watertown, I think. And I think it's a little bit a part of Midwestern culture. Like, if it's not, if there's not a major problem, we're not going to talk about it. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I'm sure that you didn't really have necessarily a place to have dialogue about your experiences. Even, I think, I think we have progressed a lot in the last year even, but back in when you were 16, I'm sure it was like nothing. Yeah, it was, it was, it was, and, and I had to learn that by myself. I had to like go and like do a lot of research and know more about like African-American Africans and just, and just like, I, I learned to include black as part of my identity because when you're back home, you don't see yourself as, as black, you're just a human, just a regular you. human being. Yeah. And you have to know that being black is, is part of who you are now because you're, you're the minority and that's how it works. <laughs> so um, I, 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 I learned a lot about that and I, I also learned a lot about about, about home that's what um, got me into doing politics, um, government now, um, realizing that, yeah, um, like as black as African, we need to work towards as uh, as an African person, to are building a better, you know, place for for people, because I I I, I call it take a, take revenge on history, if you know what I mean, because you know we've just like my, the Congo for example has had a really rough colonial history, and I think success bringing working towards success as a country is for me a good revenge on history and just be able to build a place where my people are happy. And I think, I think it's for me, it'd be like, yeah, you, you did something, so. Where do you think that came from, that desire to take revenge on history? <laughs> I love that phrase. Um, it came from learning about history, um, because back home, um, we don't learn much about our history, at least because it's like it's a Belgium program so it's it's still uh, really white white washed um we don't learn much about like who we are and like what we went through like the atrocities of like color it's it's really like just 
when like go, goes by just really really yeah like that's so surprising to yeah. me i mean i know that that's a thing here in a predominantly white culture in the u.s yeah. that may, yeah. like it doesn't make sense but it, i understand sort of the why but so you're telling me like back home history classes are still whitewashed back yeah home. we talk a lot about the romans and <laughs> the oh, greeks no. and um the world wars and <laughs> and you know i i think it's we have a really rich history of course and we should we should talk about that because that that that's our history that should be the number and, one thing taught yeah and so we don't talk much about that it's really like we talk about all the like explorators like Diego Cao and all these people and <laughs> but um don't talk much about who who we are and I think I had to learn that by myself like come here because when you you don't really know that you you miss you don't really know you at home until you leave home because like you mm-hmm. just leaving home just takes away the feeling of being at home of like belonging to a place of knowing that this is who you know like going out and just be like hey and like that it just just goes away and when you're far away from home you realize that oh i had a place to come home and i think it just pushed me to like learn more about it i did more research and about different african countries and just african americans too and i was like wow like this is enough like we we need to take revenge on history like just learning about it made me so angry about making you know a, a difference making things change and because when you i feel like having the knowledge of it kind of put the weight to like change because i i feel like i wouldn't live peacefully if i don't do anything about it so yeah so through that discomfort of coming here and not being in the comfort of home you found yourself drawn back home yeah yeah that's exactly I mean, that yeah and wanting to make home better mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and wanting home to be more uplifting of your people yeah that's cool so after you finish at Watertown or perhaps your last year in Watertown, you decide that you are going to stay in the U.S. for your undergraduate experience, mm-hmm. and you find Augustana, or did Augustana find you? Augustana <laughs> found me. Um, ben Iverson came to my uh, school. Mm-hmm. So first of all, I was like, I'm not staying here. It's way too cold for me. <laughs> or like, I'm going California, somewhere warm, or like down in the south, like Texas, or Alabama <laughs> with my brother. Like, yeah, yeah. Just... Not here. This is too cold for me. It's like in 2018, the winter was so bad. We had like 10 snow days. It was the worst. Yeah. I remember. We had 10 snow days. Like we literally could not get out of the dorms because like snow was covering part of the dorm. Entrance. Uh, <laughs> yeah, but I was like, I'm not, never, <laughs> I'm never coming back here. <laughs> but <laughs> but then um, Ben Iverson came to my school and Mr. Plugger, the international program director by, um, in Watertown told me, oh, you should check that out. And Jerry's going there too. And I was like, cool, cool. I just checked it out because he wanted me to. And mm-hmm. so I went and talked to Ben. He talk, told me about the government program, the Washington semester, and all of the cool stuff about Augustana. I was like, you know what? 
maybe I'm gonna stay here. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just gonna brave the cold and and stay here. And I I applied. It's actually the only university I've seriously applied to because I was like, this is what I want. I don't I don't know why I should like keep applying and applying. Yeah. And so I just I seriously just applied. To this, I was like, if I don't get in, I'm just gonna go home, have a year <laughs> break. Um, no, I'm kidding. But I, I, I knew I would get in. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And so I got in, and I'm here. Wow. <laughs> yeah. And then, well, we're so glad you chose Augustana. It's the best. <laughs> um, I feel like when you arrived, it was like, oh, Benita is here, and this is exactly where she belongs. Uh, what was that transition like to Augustana? Meaning, again, like back to Watertown and you feeling really isolated. Everybody there is white. Did did things change for you here? Were they better than you expected? Not as good as you expected? Yeah, to be honest, um, throughout the like past two years of high school, I was really isolated. So I just I just learned to. Well, I was, I was alone most of the time and, like, lonely. And I, I just learned to, like, I just thought for a while that, like, oh, this is who I am. Like, I'm just, I'm not so social, maybe. And, but, um, so I just, I just, like, learned to accept that. And I just became numb to it. I just was, like, you know, I'm just going to hang out alone. It's fine. And <laughs> I, um, coming here, I still had those things like the oh I just I just like being alone I just but like it, it wasn't it wasn't who I was because I'm really like oh like <laughs> <laughs> I talk a lot and I'm always like doing crazy stuff and I just I just felt like the difference between who I was and like who I am now I'm like I just wanted to be that person again that fun person back home that yeah. was like friend with everybody at church and maybe like the lonely or sort of the loner part of your existence was a little bit of a coping mechanism or survival Mm-mm. and then you come to this place and you can revisit the di- yeah. the so more natural more truly benita yeah version of yourself yes but it, it, it wasn't it wasn't easy i still no. i still um had the because when i when i went to other town i had to you know, think of, oh, I have to be good enough you know, to be here, like, deserve my place here, like, and, like, when, when I came here, I was, like, am I good enough for this place? Like, there's there's a lot of smart people here. <laughs> yeah. I, I, am I good enough for this place? And just, like, all those insecurities were, were still there, like, really, really alive, and just kind of, like, revisiting, like you said, like, who I actually am, because I was really lost, I was, like, Oh my! I don't want to be that like lonely person anymore. Like no, and um, yeah. So it was like at that first it was like a whole like revisiting who I am, like um, finding myself back again. It was it was it was long. It was a process. Um, but I went to therapy. You should if you need to. <laughs> Just letting you know, and it 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 helps. Um, it helps to to just talk for things and like see where I stood and um and like slowly find my place um here and I would say I don't necessarily think that I I belong to the place but I belong with the people I've met um like people like Tyree and you know um Henry all those people that just made me feel at home when I'm with them it's Mm -hmm. that made the difference for me um yeah so 
Mm-hmm. And it was, it was now now I'm I would say that the second semester I'm in a really happy place. I found I've I found myself and I'm and I'm really happy and happiness is a beautiful thing. Like it's it's a it's a it's an amazing feeling. I wasn't I haven't felt happy for a while and like feeling happy is is good. <laughs> I can see it. Mm-hmm. I can see the change. I can see the joy coming from you. And I think one of the best parts about Augustana's international student community is uh, the individuals you mentioned, uh, Tyre and Henry, and of course, many other students. Yeah. They have this quality that they're just so loving and caring. And I mean, I'm from here. I have my own family. Uh, but some days, you know, Aaron and I are working really hard in the IPO and a student comes in and it sometimes that student <laughs> is Benita and they just shine, shine their light on our life for a second. And it's, it's wonderful that you have these friends mm. that help lift you up and, and help you get to a happier place for yes, yourself. Yes. Mm-hmm. So the community, I think, is wonderful here. It is. I'm so glad to hear that. Yeah. And I think that in such a short time, you are contributing to that community. Um, I would love for you to talk a little bit about some of the leadership um, opportunities that you've taken since starting at Augie. Yes, yeah, so I ran for ASA last semester. Um, ASA is Augusta National Association as International Freshman Senator. Um, I had a lot of doubts doing that at first because, you know, like I said, I was still finding myself and... I was like, you know, because back home I was like in leadership position, so I was like, maybe doing this is gonna help me, you know, like find who I, who I, refine myself again, and so I, I did it, and <clears throat> not to brag, but <laughs> <laughs> I won the election by sixty percent, flipping my hair, <laughs> and <laughs> so it was, um, and it, it is an amazing experience um, to just learn to just be there and like be part of the decision making, if everything. Just like um, um, advocates for my friends, which whom 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 <laughs> I know um, the 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 struggles and the like the thing that will make the experience better because because we communicate like that. And I was it just. It's it just such an amazing opportunity for me to like represent them mm-hmm. and and like work toward making Augustana better for them yeah and for for us for all of us um and um yeah so yeah what about your so you do, you're doing other things so Benita has um, also been a big advocate for mental health awareness for specifically our international students, but all students. Do you want to talk a little bit about that? Yes. Um, being an, ad- an advocate for mental health, for, for me, if at first I was like, I didn't even know about mental health because like back home, it's not something we talk about. Mm-hmm. And I get here and I think, you know, like just going through all of that, I'm like, there is something wrong with me. Just like thinking that, oh, there's something wrong. Like. And then I was like, maybe there's not something wrong. I'm just probably just have like mental health problem right now, and I just have to, you know, ask for the help I need. And um, but I wasn't sure about it. It was just like somewhere in the back of my mind. But when we did the during the 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 first week, the orientation orientation week, and we had the 
culture shock videos. I could relate to so many things about that, but I feel like it was left to, oh, you're gonna experience this. That's good for you. <laughs> but then there's no like, <laughs> yes, yeah, so, but there were no like coping mechanism. And, and it's true that like we could relate and like be like, oh, this is gonna happen. Like we need, but like when you go through it, like how do you cope with it? How do you um, go through? you know, making things better for yourself. Mm -hmm. Because many of us don't, don't really talk about it because it's not part of, you know, it's not, it's taboo in our culture. Yeah. And um, coming here, going through that, I was like, I, I, I want to create a space where international students can just, like, feel free to talk about that. Like, because I think communication and just, like, and COVID, like, when we had to be isolated and stuff, creating a space where we can just all come together and talk about a week or like what makes us happy, what we're thankful for, or just like what makes us sad, just like encourage each other, I think was for, for me just a big, a nice way to start, you know, um, feeling better, being there for each other. Mm -hmm. And that's what I really want to have happen to work towards. And I always uh, check on my international friends. I always try to be really raw about it, like how is life treating you? How is your mental health? So like, I make the person comfortable talking about their mental health with me instead of going for like different ways, just like we're gonna talk about your mental health. And, yeah. <laughs> and you know, just making it be like a normal conversation instead of the tactical, how are you good? Just like a tactical response, but yeah. like actually have a- That doesn't have any real meaning. Yeah, a real conversation about how you're actually doing. Yeah, that's wonderful. Yeah. And then the other thing I want to talk to you about before uh, we wrap up is you're leading a book club. Mm -hmm. Do you want to explain that yes. and where that idea came from? Mm -hmm. So coming here, um, realizing everything, you coming to the U.S., I, I am a Christian. I was raised Christian. And um, come here and realize that many Christians are racist. <laughs> Many white Christians are racist. You come to a racist nation, you look at their history, like the um, the involvement of the church in like the you know, the suffering, like the colony the colonization, the all of those those really hard stuff to learn about to see. Yeah. And there are a lot of sins of of churches. Yeah. And when I learned about that, uh, it was almost all at the same time and it was it was so heavy on me because mm -hmm. I told you I learned a lot about that when I came here and I just took us and I saw myself it's weird but like I saw myself take a step back from like Christianity like from the church looking at it as you know like when you're inside the door you just take and you look at the door and you're like mm -hmm. this is like this this was me all my life like this is where I grew up I grew up in the church I was at the church every day I was in the choir I, you know, as I, I love the church, and as as Martin Luther King says, like there is no great disappointment without great love, and I was really disappointed in the church. And oh, can you say that quote about. again? There is no great disappointment without great love, and I love the church. I grew up there, and it was just hard for me to see like how the church got got home in the first place, and. So for a while I just stayed away from the church. I wasn't going to church. I wasn't really praying. But like my parents were like, "How is? How are you doing? Like how is like you know like spiritual life?" I'm like, "I'm good. Like everything is going really well." <laughs> and, <laughs> and um. Meanwhile, all these questions are yeah. brewing inside your heart. Yes, and then then do you know I I don't wanna I don't wanna lose that. It's part of who I am. And yeah. 
I wanted to learn more about it and make peace with it. Mm-hmm. And and I just and I and I want and I knew that many people have those questions too. It's not just me. And I wanted to share the opportunity, like the learning opportunity with everybody else. And so that's why I started the book club. And I found that book. Me and Claire found that book that is about like um What's the name of the book? The Color of Compromise. Okay. It's by Jamar Tisby. Mm-hmm. And he says like it's a call to create a more unif- racially unified church, like not to blame anybody, but like to find a way to come together. It's part of everything that's already happened. So, yeah. And I'm so excited about it. And we started last Thursday. We're gonna have one session today too. So call me if you're interested. Yeah. <laughs> and um, it's it's really good. I love the book. It's 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 a hard reading, but it's also a necessary reading to like close that chapter, like make peace with it, and like keep keep you know going. Give you healing, mm-hmm. so you can move forward oh, with your faith. <laughs> well, I just would like to say that you are such a magical person in that you know you are open with your struggles. And you share that with others. And I think that allows others to feel like it's okay to struggle, whether that be, you know, dealing with a culture that doesn't feel like home or finding your place in a faith that used to feel so comfortable and isn't as much anymore Mm -hmm. and wanting to find that comfort. Um, You bring people in to help them with their journey while you're going through it too. And I think that that's just such a wonderful quality you have. And Augustana is so lucky that you are giving back to us. Thank you. Um, through your own struggles. Um, so thank you. I'm getting emotional. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. Yeah. Um, well, I think we're going to wrap up pretty soon. Mm-hmm. What advice would you give to a person who is thinking about studying away from home or living away from home? for whatever reason? Mm. I would say that um, it's it's a journey. It's um, a wonderful journey, but also a hard journey, like every journey that you're going to go through. And you're going to learn a lot about yourself and about others, and it's it's beautiful. It's um, something that I don't regret even through all of that. And there is a lot of growth into being away from home. And um, you, you should do it. You do. You shouldn't stop yourself from doing it because it's really, it's really rich in like learning and just meeting new people and just learning more about yourself and different people. Like I said earlier, but also give yourself a lot of grace um, and um, give yourself a lot of love, a lot of grace. Give love to others and do what makes you happy. I think above all is, you know, is what will bring you happiness. Do what makes you happy. And, and give yourself a lot of grace. That's what I would say. I think that's really great advice yeah. um, that you are following yourself. I am. I am trying to, I'm trying yeah. to, do, to do it. Now. It's not easy. It's so, not. well, thank you so much for your thank time. You. <laughs> thank you for being at Augustana mm-hmm. and for your leadership. We appreciate you so much. Thank you. We'll see you around. See you. On behalf of the dedicated work of our international programs team, Ben, Aaron, Wade, and Saul, and our incredible student ambassadors, Liz, Yusi, and Shirley, 
I'd like to thank you for taking the time to listen today. I admire Benita so much for her ability to embrace her vulnerability so that others can join her on the journey of self-betterment and building a community of love and inclusion. Her quote from Dr. Martin Luther King, there can be no deep disappointment where there is not deep love, is raw and real for many of us as we come to terms with the sins of institutions that we hope to keep in our hearts and repair for future generations. While she is only a freshman, Benita has already shown great leadership on our campus and has great power in her passion to serve. Next time, we'll hear from Harley Tran, an accounting and finance major originally from Hanoi, Vietnam. Harley will make you laugh and share what it means to take the role of student seriously. Until next time, keep exploring the world.